to a very warm Canary cast. Um, possibly we're going to have another hot day. It's been hot over the weekend. My name's Cleo Flynn. <clears throat> Janet Anscombe is in the mountains and we have a very special guest. Someone we've been trying to get on this podcast forever. And now that she has retired, she has time for us. The wonderful Diana McGowan. Diana, hi. Hi, hi. Nice to be with you, ladies. And you have a wing woman. Diana. (laughs) (laughs) Diana, we've wanted you to come on for so long here. um, And then you kind of retired from your daytime job, but you immediately kind of plunged into writing a blog called What Shall We Do Now Then? Indeed, yes, I'm, I am that uh, person. I just, you know, don't know what to do with those empty days. And it's only been, it's only been, it's only been just over a week. <laughs> what am I going to be like? <laughs> well, you're not, you're not um, missing material to write about. So can we get you to plunge straight in to talk us through your first blog? Because I think a hell of a lot of people will have read it and gone, of course, that is ridiculous. Why is this going on? So tell us what your first blog was about. Um, well, just to point of order, Madam Chairperson, it wasn't the first one. I did do a couple of other ones. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right. No my worries. My shame. Um, my shame. Uh, uh, no, no. Seriously. Um, yeah, the, the, the topic was all about uh, the fact that the United Kingdom is letting British passport holders who've been double jabbed in the United Kingdom to come back from you know, places foreign, uh, if they're on the amber list, without having to do the quarantine. But if you are a British passport holder and you were jabbed somewhere outside the UK, that's not acceptable. So my premise was, this is ridiculous. How can this possibly be, have any basis whatsoever in science? Because, you know, in my personal case, I had the AstraZeneca, which was, hello, produced at Oxford, you know, so that, that's, that's basically what it's about. And um, also a, a look through at what one would have to do to go and see people in the UK. I mean, I think the three of us are AstraZeneca girls, aren't we? We're the AZ girls. We I are, just, that's what I have. I just have my second one on Saturday. Unfortunately, I was victim to, I don't know anybody who's listening, if they were due to go to El Mahon this week, um, their nursing staff have been diverted to Candelaria. So anybody who is scheduled to have their vaccination there, I have a feeling, somebody said to me today, I don't know if this is true, that if it's your first job, you might have to go up to, Santi- to the, the Santiago basketball course. And if it's the second job, El Mahon. Janet, you might have other news on that. Yeah, that, that's no actual confirmed news. What I particularly wanted to say was that People have been saying for some time, and it's been acknowledged, that case numbers on their own really don't give much of a, of, of a picture anymore of what's happening. They did in the early days, but as the vaccination rates have increased and as testing has increased, as the groups that are at risk have become more focused on, like the 2040 year old age are now doing what they call cribados. They, they are doing widespread testing of these groups, of course, case numbers themselves are going to soar. So people have been saying for some time that what we really need is an analysis now with the situation as it has evolved 
into hospital numbers and okay. fatality figures, and they will give a far more accurate figure rather than just testing, because we know there are cases here, and we know that even when you've had two vaccinations, you can still catch it, you can still test positive. Doesn't mean it's going to be a problem necessarily if you've had the double vaccination. So case numbers on their own are less important than hospital numbers. And people have been using this argument, I think, just to underplay what is happening here, saying, well, of course, you're going to have lots of case numbers, doesn't mean it's a problem. Mm. But okay, if we're going to go down that road, let's have a look at hospital numbers. They're currently in real trouble in Tenerife. They've issued alerts for intensive care unit capacity. Virtually every intensive care patient in the Canaries is in hospital in Tenerife. Okay. We have a particular problem here. And our, if you want to, if those who want to undermine the severity of the outbreak here insist on dealing with hospital numbers and fatalities, then I'm afraid they have not helped their own argument because those are really bad. Those figures are not good at all. And it is this reason that has seen staff recalled from El Mojón vaccination point back up to the north because they need a lot of presencial nursing, okay. which means which means intensive care, because that is intensive on staffing as well as, as well as nursing. So they've had to close that. Now, people will be sent generally to the north, but certainly the second ones, people who are waiting for their second vaccination, are likely to go, be, be told to go to the Magma Centre. The problem with the Magma Centre the other day, when there were queues of three hours and no shade, was because people went to El Mojón and found it closed and didn't know what else they should do. So they exactly. just seemed to turn up at, at the Magma yeah. Centre. They did, so I was there. That's really all I wanted to say just, on that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just just on that point, not everybody has either the time, the wherewithal or the means to go to Santa Cruz mm. if they live in exactly. the South. I mean, all right, yes. perhaps us three, we're privileged, we've got a car, we can take the time. But, you know, a lot of people maybe sorted that appointment out because they booked, I don't know, an hour, two hours off from their employment, so on and so forth, and they just couldn't go to yeah. the north. So it needs sorting out. Something yeah. needs to be done about that. I, I know one of my colleagues, because by coincidence or, or by almost just to check, she looked at her messaging, and that's when she saw that, in fact, the location of her vaccination had changed from... It's for tomorrow from Mahon to Santiago, the, the, the basketball stadium. But if she hadn't looked, she would have gone to El Mahon tomorrow. So, yeah. you know, and again, if, because there were announcements in local papers, but if you don't read Spanish, um, there's a good chance you wouldn't have found out till you got there and found everything closed up. So, and it was, I mean, they, they did the staff in the Magma on Saturday. They were fantastic because they were dealing with double the numbers people running around, not knowing if they could stay, if they could get jabbed. The queue was going all the way down to the main street. Um, I mean, I think I was lucky. I was probably only 40 minutes in the queue. Um, and then once you got inside, it was very efficient and it was somewhere to sit and everything. But they coped brilliantly, but it just, it was a glitch because I think we all feel that really for the last month, the vaccination process has gone quite well. There was just a hiccup now because of, as Janet says, um, this thing. 
Can I just go back to what you were saying, Diana, because I had a quick look online about this um, lack of recognition of our vaccination, which just seems crazy. And I know, Diane, you and I answered a guy on Facebook who said, well, maybe it's because some of the vaccines aren't recognized in both the EU and the UK. But the European Commission has approved the Pfizer, the Moderna, the Janssen and the Oxford, which are also all approved in the United Kingdom. So it is the same vaccine. And then I heard the other argument I heard was that uh, it was political. But I mean, Spain has already agreed to acknowledge the NHS COVID pass. Spain, Greece and Malta apparently now are accepting the NHA COVID pass. So why can't the UK accept ours? Exactly, exactly. And then the trouble is it, it's, it's not just accepting the COVID pass. It's, if you can't use that, it's all of the testing that's required, as probably people know, but I wasn't that clear. I did an exercise when I, I got into this um, to find out exactly what was required. And it, it's the two day test. Well, first of all, you're gonna have the test to fly from here. Then you're gonna have the two day test in the UK. Then you have the extra five day test if you want to get out of quarantine more quickly. Then you have to have the eight day test. And if at any point during any of that, never mind the expense, but if you got pinged, or whatever the phrase is now, um, and you tested positive, your family's household is quarantined as well. And that is just nuts to me because obviously in my particular case, we have a family who've just got a new baby. We have the, the, the man of the, of the house who's got to go to work. You know, you, you just can't do that to your relatives, can you? Well, I couldn't anyway. Can you not go and stay in checkers? <laughs> Indeed. I wasn't, I wasn't going there. Well, you know, <laughs> diversion, diversion. It's a big place. Or take part in a pilot project. Yeah, or go to a football match. I mean, these oh, seem to be all the things that you can do. Silverstone, yeah. Or like last night in, in the city we lived in, once before we came over here, Leeds, they, they were queuing up at midnight to go into discos where they have partied the night away no masks, no anything, because they are no longer required in the UK. Yeah. And there was um, um, there was some footage of a countdown. Uh, I think it was in London where people were admitted to this nightclub, but they did a countdown to the midnight when they could all throw, you know, everything to caution to the winds. And it was absolutely rammed. It was scary, scary to look at, to be honest. It is scary having gone through the last year and a half, and I mean, we probably lived in more restrictive times or places but to watch what's happening in the UK I mean and I'm supposed to be sending my kid to live there and I'm thinking do I really want to do this hopefully yes I do and stuff like that and she's a resistant teenager I hope but it is very frightening it um, is a scary and, situation you know you kind of hope I really hope it works I really hope all my pessimism is misplaced I really hope so but I don't know they, the noises from the UK right now are as split as they have ever been, probably more split than they have ever been. Um, on Twitter this morning, Tesco's was trending because people were saying they'd been in their local Tesco's <clears throat> and everybody, or at least most people, were wearing masks still, even though they're no longer required. Voluntarily and, uh, wearing them. Voluntarily wearing masks. And there seems to be a groundswell of, we're back, 
in the old sort of 1970s idea of the silent majority, aren't we? There's all this noise and the students are revolting. When were they not revolting? And <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact is we have grown up with this, haven't we? Women of our generation, we, we have seen the kids and they've done all their rebelling and they've grown up through their political activism. And, and the fact is now that the majority of people seem to me to be keeping stum and keeping a very low profile because that has become quite acute and you get attacked even for having the wrong opinion now on social oh, media, do you ever? which we never had, yeah. which we never had when we were young women. It, so I think people are keeping a low profile and keeping their heads down. So all we are hearing is the noise of what is a minority, but a uh, dangerous yeah. minority maybe, but it is clearly a minority. Yeah. The majority are still just going about saying, leave me alone, keep your distance, I'm wearing yeah. a mask. Yeah, yeah. And I'm it's sure this is the case. It's encouraging to to hear what you said about Tesco's and people wearing the mask voluntarily. But yeah. the other side of the coin that worries me is the abuse that the staff were getting the last time round and probably still are, I don't know. I haven't seen it reported. But, you know, they, they may not be frontline nurse, uh, nurses or doctors or whatever, but they are frontline, these people that work in supermarkets, taxis, buses, whatever. And honestly, the kind of, of real abuse when they were trying to get people to wear masks when they had to wear them I can't imagine what it's going to be like now I assume a Tesco worker can still wear a mask themselves if they want to I've got really no idea I don't know if you ladies know no I, I don't but but don't. when they were talking about it on Twitter they were saying the staff were not wearing masks I don't know whether that's a Tesco policy no. or, or, or I mean not, but they, they weren't I'm into right that in London for instance the mayor of London has the right to insist that on London transport masks must still be worn so I don't understand the politics of the UK as much as you guys would, but I presume there is some local municipal bylaws that can be introduced regardless of national law. Am I right? I think so. I think uh, Transport for London, which is the London transport network, um, is under the direct control, as I understand it, of the Mayor of London. Okay. It, 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 it's a... I, I can't think what the word is. It's, it's not a municipal thing. It's, it's, it's like Greater Manchester, okay. Andy Burnham. The, these mayors have significant power. Okay. And Transport for London is under um, Sadiq Khan's direct control. So he can say, yeah, masks must okay. be worn. And, and I imagine then um, any kind of private company, if that, if that were a, a pub or a club or whatever, they could also do that, do we know? Yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah. I'm sure they could. Yeah. Whether, whether, whether they, they will in, in the face of response from the public, we don't know, but they yeah. could, okay. I, I mean, but this, but this is where that silent majority might play yet a bigger part, because if they, if they are really going to, if it's going to come down to personal responsibility, where it is we three versus Rocket Man, it, if, if it really is like that, three sensible people, one rocket man going to Wembley with a with a firework up his behind, <laughs> then, <clears throat> then if, if we are talking that level of, you know, responsibility, then we can only hope that business will get the idea that yeah. we three at least and people like us will not be going to their establishments if they're going to allow rocket man in letting off his fireworks. So it, it is... It, if they want, if they want to make a commercial decision, they need to take account of the yeah. people who are not making a noise, who I think are in the majority, who want precautions to remain. 
and can I say, I mean, it, I don't want this to be a UK bashing podcast either. Um, this weekend, I heard news that the, the kind of chief medical officer of Ireland and his deputy and the head medical reporter for the National Broadcaster have also received threats from social media. I mean, serious enough that the police are looking into them. So it is something that is happening across the board, I think, that I don't know, is it the is it ultra right wingers? Is it just people who have found that during this COVID time they can be they have become radicalized? And it's a word we shouldn't be using, maybe because it has different connotations. But that they I mean, like that video of, of Professor Chris Whitty, the two guys who stopped him and accosted him in a park and made him kind of take selfies with them. Um, and it's that kind of vocal, I don't know, uh, resistance I don't like, but it's not just in England. Janet? It, it's not just in England, it is everywhere. And there is a concept of a useful idiot politically. <laughs> and <laughs> Donald Trump made great use of them. You're talking about things like the Proud Boys. Yeah. And the guy who was the very, picturesque leader of the storming of the Capitol, where he had the sort of, I don't know, the Viking helmet and yeah, Mohican um, Viking. And the, the deer stalker, yeah, the skins. Exactly. <laughs> and, and there is a school of thought, and there's actually an article, um, an opinion piece in The Guardian today on this very subject, because the literati, if you like, talk about these things, and these are the ideas that are around at the moment, that these culture wars don't actually exist. They're not real. They are a they are a programmatic use of useful idiots who are being wound up to wage culture wars. Because only by getting people to fight among themselves do you create a sense of chaos that is us decent, normal, conservative types versus the forces of chaos, whether they are Muslims, Jews, Blacks, um, Amazonian Extinction Rebellion protesters, doesn't matter. If you can lump all of them over there and say they are the issue and they are threatening us because they want us not to, they want to tear down our ancient houses, let's say mm. in the UK, and, and make them monuments to those who were enslaved by these horrible people in the past. Or in America, we require our guns. The founding fathers said we must have our guns and our freedom of speech. And if you say I can't call you a racist, what does that make you? So there is these culture wars going on and they're not really culture wars. They are manipulation at the highest level. I was reminded by a friend this morning, though, that, that this is also very much a social media problem. And it yes. doesn't necessarily have to be on such a grand scale as you were just speaking about, Janet. This, this also goes to arguments between families and um, just the general feeling that it's okay to be hateful about somebody. Mm. And you can, you know, you can have all these, oh, be nice, be friends, don't say something if you can't say something, be all kind, of this rubbish. Yeah, be kind, be kind. But the truth of the matter is, that it's far more salacious, shall we say, and far more interesting for people to read a post that's knocking somebody, whoever they are, whether it's on a, on a grand political scale or whether it's your you know, next door neighbor. 
Yeah. But They're this more is inculcated, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. inculcated. Exactly. And yeah. social media is being used by authorities and governments in various places to wind people up. Because the more you create this sort of feeling of nothing is stable, and even families are at war, whether it's over Brexit or COVID or masks or whatever, then the more people are going to go for the political authorities that offer them the easy solutions. Solid. And that's what populism yeah. is all about. That we will give you structure and solidity and just let us look after that for you, that kind yeah. of thing. Don't don't worry your head about this. Yeah. We'll take care of it. Just vote us in and we'll look after you. All right. Yeah. And, can, yeah. can we just bring it back locally for a few minutes? Um, because I, first of all, we were, I think, was I the only one who was surprised we didn't go to level four on Thursday? I don't I know surprised. if I was. But yeah. what, I mean, was, I are we still trying to find out what is meant when they, I mean, I listened to the, the press release, the press conference, and they said that they might be bringing in some new form of restrictions or uh, insisting upon vaccinated people only going into certain locales, bars, restaurants. Has there been any further news on that? This, just for people listening, that's here in Tenerife at the moment. I haven't seen anything other than press speculation, to be honest, about the, the COVID passing in shops and so on. Was it thrown um, out there to fearmonger, maybe? I think so. Personally, I think it was, look, if you don't behave better, you know, this is what we're going to end up with. But, hey, I don't know. Um, I, I think he is looking at something, uh, some sort of systematic, but I think that's possibly an encouragement for the younger generation now to get them to get vaccinated. Well, they still they can't, about, that's the thing. They're still not yeah, getting to their age group, but they will soon. Exactly, yeah. But don't forget the target population here is, is 12 years and over. Mm. Yeah. So when we talk about how the percentage of the target population vaccinated, that is a, a totally different demographic to some other parts of the world, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's true. Yeah. That's true. No, it just because, I mean, I'm, I look at the figures every day. I drive myself crazy looking at the figures every day. And in the last week, they're high, but they are they leveling off? Is that, or is that, I mean, they're still very high, but they haven't gone beyond about between five and six a day. Now, that's because no, there are very few people left to be infected, maybe. What I read this morning, Cleo, is that the Canary Islands have doubled in the last 40 days. That yeah. was the headline. I, I didn't read the nuts and bolts of it, but that was I the mean, headline. I, I know Adeje has gone from 40 to 280 in about four weeks. Uh -huh. And I mean, that, but then we had very few cases here. I don't know if that's down to more testing, um, but are we reaching then a plateau, I'm wondering? Janice. But then we, we are still talking about case numbers and, and I, I think we are meant to be moving away from that as a, an actual guide because they are double what they used to be, but they, they are increasing the testing and they mm. are not only increasing the testing, they're actually doing um, test drives. So yeah. they are corralling yeah. a lot of people in. So these figures are, yes, they're elevated. They are very high, but they maybe don't give an accurate picture of what's going on, far more likely to give an accurate picture of fatalities, which are mercifully low. They are, they are. Um, but also ICU intensive care is the worry and in Tenerife that is high. 
what is also worrying is the numbers fairly high who are in hospital who've had the vaccination, not single one of them in intensive care, thankfully, but they're still going into hospital. Okay. So, so people are getting it quite severely, even though they've been vaccinated, because some might have, say, Pfizer and then be infected with the Delta variant where Pfizer isn't quite so effective as mm -hmm. is known. So, and a lot, all of this really, I mean, the explosion in numbers did happen as we had thought once the Delta variant took hold here. I mean, as we, we kind of predicted a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? was inevitable. Yeah, it was. Can I just go back to the beginning for a sec before, before Zoom makes us say goodbye? Oh, because we're cheapskates and we don't buy the professional packet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Diane, you're the one, I think, who's hoping to travel soonest. Do you have a sense that this block on non-UK residents being able to travel if they're fully vaccinated, if it is political, if Boris is just holding out and waiting for some kind of move on the European side, do you think it's going to change soon or not? I mean, what's your gut feeling on it? My gut feeling is, yes, it's going to change. I don't know about the time frame, but... Um, I think it was uh, Brits in Spain on Facebook, you know, the, the uh, embassy, British embassy's uh, Facebook page that said, oh, we are addressing this because oh, okay. they actually printed a, an, an apology, if you like, as to why this cat our, our category wasn't included. Um, and we are addressing it or something phrase like that. I don't remember the exact phrase. So, yeah, I think they will look at it. I think the time frame will obviously be at least a month maybe i'm thinking six weeks Mid something like that yeah maybe i don't know i really yeah. don't know i hope so because today i mean there were, i've seen pictures from malaga airport of british tourists arriving today on their freedom day and i know ireland is lifting uh, international travel restrictions day for the first time in over a year so mm. and i mean i was dropping 18 which one god down to Las to Veronica's the other day, and I haven't seen it so buzzy in two years. So things are tourism is beginning to <clears throat> appear here, uh, and obviously the British tourists are the ones that we we need most. So there needs to be a two way street here, doesn't there? For sure. Yes, of course. All right. Okay. Well, short and sweet. The um. Oh, by the way, Diana, you published uh, news, and I just checked. Of um, how can people go online to see if they have won these bonos that the Canarian government were were giving out? They had a kind of a a draw for people who to to win perhaps checks to go and travel within the Canary Islands, and the results are out. Isn't that right? Yes, they are. Um, don't ask me the web address. Sorry, I can't remember it. <laughs> but it's, uh, is it, it the hellocanaries.com page? Uh, yes, I believe so. I believe so. And you basically just plug in your uh, near or your NIF, and then it comes back and says, uh-uh, computer says no, in my case. But so, I, I know some people <laughs> won. I, yeah. I actually physically know some people that won, so that's that's cool. As long as I didn't, you know, so I don't believe it. I think it's a scam. Aww. I think it's a scam I, by I, I, the I, left, the alt left right movement. <laughs> oh, there you go. We, there you go. We, we too know it. We we too know a family that has won won a couple of tickets. So. Brilliant. Yeah. I think the lovely oh, Christopher, nice. who does the Brex pattern Canaries, Christopher Rush. I think he won as well. So. Oh, that's lovely. You did. Well done, Christopher. And we're delighted. Yeah, for well you. done. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, it's Diana, it's been absolutely wonderful. How are you going to cope with retirement? First of all, by the way, on behalf of so many people, thank you for all the work you have done over the years. Oh, um, bless you. Absolutely. And absolutely. 
you you've been just kind of there helping people non-stop for i don't know 20 years or more getting that way no. yeah <laughs> so have you planned apart from the blog and i i apologize for not having read the the other not first one first one um <laughs> what is what else are your plans because uh, you know i can't see you just start taking up knitting or getting to crochet paper doilies or doilies and things <laughs> no no well um you know coffee with girlfriends is good yeah <laughs> always um, always and maybe maybe painting the trouble is I, I, what's in my head is so much better than what comes out on the end of the brush and onto the paper <laughs> but um honestly you know i i really don't know it's such it's so early days i really don't know what's going to happen i don't think it's quite hit me yet to be honest all right well, well I, I'm in this. I'm in the same. I'm in the same category here because I mean, I've I've just pulled back and virtually retired now, and I'm just updating the website with with little bits of news and important stuff and official announcements. But it it does take a lot of adjusting to. I think when you work at the sharp end of stuff, and you have to keep on top of everything, and and this is what I has had to do for so many years as well. Keep on top of absolutely everything because you don't know where the next inquiry is coming from, or what it's going to be about, and yeah. Diana is now blogging and Diana what is your website um, address now for people because only yesterday you posted a really interesting piece about how the original smallpox vaccination was facilitated around the world from Spain that was really oh, interesting well it's it's um it's easy because it's my name which perhaps might not be easy because as you probably gathered if you know me I go by diana-mcglone.com, but I'm married now, so I'm actually a McGowan, but I never ever got around to changing all the websites <laughs> and the paperwork. So I can understand if some people get a bit confused, but it, it is the McGlone surname, the original surname. So it's diana-mcglone.com. So there you go. Brilliant. And I shall read the smallpox one. That, that's definitely something I, I will look forward to. But from my really, point really of view, because I haven't retired yet, it means I get to bother the pair of you when I need more information <laughs> because you are two of my most trusted sources. Oh, bless you. Thank All right, you. Diana, thank you so much for joining us today. And yeah, thanks, please feel Diana. free to come back anytime you like. You are oh, always welcome. Always thank welcome. you. Janet, lovely to see you again and, and um, you. we shall talk next week possibly and we need to talk about maybe taking a little break in the summer but we'll see how see where we go with things yeah I think next week we'll do one and then maybe we'll have an August an, an August. August a lacuna a, a, a vacuna lacuna a vacuna lacuna sounds ideal <laughs> all right then talk to you bye all soon everybody. then bye bye everybody bye, bye. bye now